Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. Brand new Flyers Daily for the 27th of December, 2023. Flyers Daily, as always, presented by Ticketmaster. Make more memories live as we kind of wind down to the end of the calendar year 2023. Flyers will be back tomorrow. A couple of games, uh, three games, before the end of the year. Tomorrow in Vancouver. Uh, Then Friday, they'll be in Seattle to take on the Kraken. And then Sunday, they will take on Calgary and then uh, New Year's Eve. And then they'll start the new year in Edmonton to take on the Oilers and return home January 4th to take on Columbus. And since the break is still going on, the holiday break and the freeze and everything that goes along with it, um, as we talked about in yesterday's episode, we talked about Sean Couturier and Nick Sealer being two, two of the kind of underreported or, you know, not top flight storylines heading at this point in the season. And we talked about before the season, the amount of question marks that this team had going into the season, which is one of the reasons why we're quite surprised at the result that the Flyers have gotten so far this year. I mean, when you look at the Flyers this year, 33 games played, 18, 11, and four, sitting in the third spot in the Metropolitan Division, plus nine in goal differential, seven, one, and two in their last 10. They're eight, seven, and one at home, 10, four, and three on the road. It's been a bit of a shocker. It's not, you know, one of those, oh my God, they're incredibly better than we thought. Or maybe it is for you, but the record is very solid. And the underlying numbers, with the exception of the power play, are very good. Um, and we've talked about sustainability, uh, but they've gotten off to a really good start, and it has shocked a lot of people. And that in combination with the way they play in two ways, one, the way they play with a commitment to honest effort, and the other, a commitment to playing very high-paced transition hockey, which is entertaining to watch, um, is, is a big reason why I think that a lot of people are getting reinvigorated or coming back or getting more excited. I, I think the organizational DNA or identity has been begun to be recaptured. So I think all of those things matter. So as we sit here at the break, and we talked about all those question marks yesterday, I listed a bunch of them on the podcast. I thought today would be a good opportunity to look at, you know, it's the unofficial second half that'll start after the Christmas break. I thought it'd be a good chance to look at the top five question marks going forward for the unofficial second half of the season. Now, I I didn't think about these really hard. I didn't go, okay, let me dig in really deep. They seemed kind of obvious to me. Um, Let me know if you think I missed anything. Uh, There'll be some, some ones that I missed, some fringe ones, but these were the top five that came to my head uh, rather fluidly. So I didn't want to kind of go through this exercise of being, you know, you know, too many numbers, paralysis by analysis. I said, what are the kind of the obvious five question marks for this team going forward? And I actually put them in order. Usually I'll go in no particular order, but this time I kind of did put them in order. But if number five comes to fruition and number three, two, and one don't in a negative way, then obviously that would have a pretty pronounced effect. So when I look at the five question marks, the first one that popped into my head, um, actually the first one, number one is what popped into my head. We'll get to that, but it wasn't the first one um, that will be listed in the five. 
Number five is the health of Carter Hart. Team health as well. Flyers have been, I would say, relatively healthy this year. I mean, they lost Noah Cates for a pronounced period of time with the broken foot. They lost Sean Couturier for a couple of games, kind of maintenance and banged up days. Travis Sanheim missed a game with sickness. But Carter Hart's health is a question mark. Now, he's not dealing with, you know, a sore groin or, you know, some kind of injury that he's nursing, physical, you know, muscle tissue or joint-type injury. He's dealing with an illness. Uh, I don't know what it is. He said they've gotten some questions, and it was good to see him play the other night and battle through, albeit not his best performance. But that's a big question mark is how is – is that going to have a volatile nature to it the remainder of this season? The final, you know, however many games are left. What, they've played 33, they play 72, so there's, what, 41 games left. So there's, uh, is there going to be, is he going to be available or is he going to be unavailable for a period, trying to keep his strength up? You know, how does that play out? Out. The health of Carter Hart and the effect it could have. Now, Sam Erickson's been good. Since the first three games of the season that he played, he's been very good. I think he's got a 930 save percentage. A couple of shutouts, played very good. But, again, when I talk about slotting, is he ready to carry the mail if Carter is this thing lingers through the year and he's – Available and not available and more unavailable than available. Is he a guy that's ready to carry the mail at the NHL level for a team that's in a very uh, no margin for error playoff race in a very tight division? I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that because he's never done it. So therein lies the question mark to the question mark. But that's a big question mark. Carter's been really good this year again. And he, he looks like a guy whose game has just matured year over year over year. And that's a big question mark because it's not something that's got a standard timetable like a pull groin or like, you know, a shoulder injury. It's not one of those kind of health issues that he's dealing with. So that's question mark number five is the heart health and the trickle-down effect thereof. That's a big one. And again, if his heart's not available for an extended period of time, and then Erickson gets hurt, because you you have goaltending depth until you don't. Then all of a sudden, you're looking at Felix Sandstrom and Cal Peterson. And if heart's out for a period of time, then either Cal Peterson or Felix Sandstrom's going to have to get some games. And what's the effect of that? So that's a big question mark. Number four is the sustainability of the top pair. It's more the sustainability. Now, I, I mean, I think they're pretty equally important. Travis Sanheim has come in this year and just completely reinvigorated his career. He's played in all. He's played in 32 of 33 games, missed the one because of illness. He's got four goals, 20 assists, and 24 points. He's playing a team-leading 25 minutes and 14 seconds a night, although he's played a little less lately, and I think they're starting to get his minutes under control down into that 22 range as opposed to that 25-plus range. So that's good. We have to see about Sanheim's sustainability through the year, but we also have to see about the sustainability of Cam York. Basically, 
the top pair has got one of the most difficult jobs in the sport, other than goaltending, and that's to be a top pair, provide offense at one end and defend the top lines at the other end. All situations. So those two are of the utmost importance. It's been one of the biggest question marks that's been answered coming into the year because it was Provorov in York on the right side last year for most of the season. And, you know, that was a huge question mark. Who's going to step into that top pairing role, play those kind of minutes, defend those kind of opposition lines? And it's been Sanheim and York, and they've been good. When Sanheim was out, Ristolainen jumped up there and had his best game probably as an NHL player, certainly as a flyer. So that's a question mark, the sustainability. You know, Sanheim plays, like I mentioned, 25 minutes. He's averaged so far 25-14 in ice time. Cam York, at a very young age, has managed to average 22 minutes and 32 seconds of ice time. York on the year has played all 33 games, five goals, eight assists, and 13 points. He's having a very nice year. So that's question mark number four. Let's get to question mark number three. The unofficial second half. It was about this time last year that Morgan Frost jumped. It's about this time last year, maybe a little earlier, that Owen Tippett jumped. Maybe the, are they slow starters in their – both of them have shown moments. I mean, Owen Tippett does have 12 goals and 9 assists through 21 and 21 points through 33 games. He had 27 goals last year. And then you look at Morgan Frost. We know how many games he's missed, 10 total. He's played in 23 games. He's got five goals, eight assists, and 10 points, or five goals and five assists and 10 points. So what is the remainder of this season for Morgan Frost and Owen Tippett? And I guess we can throw into that when Noah Cates returns. And he broke the ankle, and I think they said it was going to be about two months so when Noah Cates returns, what is Noah Cates for the remainder of the season? Now, the Noah Cates this year is not the Noah Cates last year. He only had one goal, three assists, four points in 21 games that he played. He hasn't been very offensive. The last game he played, he played on the wing, and it was his most offensive-looking game. Not offensive, offensive-looking game. Um, but those three are big question marks for the second half. If Frost and Tippett can do what they did from basically Christmas on last year, boy, that'll put the Flyers in a really good position. You know, coupled with the balance scoring of Joel Farabee uh, and, and Sean Couturier and obviously Travis Konechny. Like, that'll really help a lot for this Flyers team if Frost and Tippett can do this second half, maybe even a little more than they did last year post-Christmas. That'd be a big positive answer to that question mark all right number two and this is a kind of a theoretical question mark but what does the pressure of a very tight race in the playoffs they're in a playoff position now they're sitting in the third spot in the metro they've been as high as the second spot in the metro since the loss to san jose they're one of the top teams in the nhl but what is the pressure of a very tight division. I mean, it is very tight. You lose a couple games in a row, some of the teams that you're battling with win a couple in a row, you go from being in the second spot to the seventh spot. It can happen very quickly. I mean, the Flyers are six points up on the Pittsburgh Penguins right now who are sitting in the seventh spot in the Metropolitan Division. 
So you can flip your position really quickly. What does that pressure do to them as individual players? What does that pressure do to them as a group? What does that pressure do to them on the ice? What does the pressure do to them off the ice? Now, we've heard about the room, how great the room is, and how together it is, and, and those things are great. But the grind of a very tight race toward a playoff position for a team like the Flyers, too, who are, you know, they've heard that all the players have heard the term rebuild, and the players kind of go, we'll show you. You call it a rebuild, we call it postseason. What does that do? I mean, out of this, everything is good to me because it puts players in this hyper kind of competitive position of trying to defy the the label they were given at the beginning of the year and do so in a very tight race. I think a team, and young players especially, can only benefit from the experience that comes with this. Whether it works out positively, they can take that going forward, or if it works out negatively, they can take that going forward and not repeat some of the same mistakes that were made, if that's how it plays out. But number two, make no mistake, there'll be pressure. There'll be pressure to keep up. There'll be pressure to get points. There'll be pressure to solidify your position. There'll be pressure to win games against the teams you should and upset teams that you shouldn't. There'll be pressure to not let a bad streak linger too long, and there'll be pressure to hang on uh, to a good streak as long as you can. It's all going to be there, and that is a big one. That is an absolute big, big question mark. What does, you know, Torts talks about players playing when the games don't matter. It's easy. They don't matter. When the games matter, that's when you can really tell what a player is all about, a competitor is all about, a gamer, what they're all about. So this that's a big, big question mark um, that I'm looking forward to getting the answer to. And then the number one one that I put, you go, well, you didn't put power play on there yet. That's kind of a bonus. It was kind of so obvious that it's a question mark, or is it even a question mark? Will it get back? I don't know. The power play is an obvious one. But the number one question mark for me for the unofficial second half is the deadline, the trade deadline. Happens on March 8th. We're going to hear so much conversation about Flyer players leading up to the deadline. What's the effect of that? What do they do with the deadline? And how does that affect them in three ways? How does that affect their efficacy as a team on the ice? How does it affect them in the locker room, pending if somebody is traded or dealing with the, you know, hearing their name out there? And then organizationally, how does the deadline affect things? So there are three biggies there. The deadline will be very pronounced. That's going to be a big storyline from the time the trade freeze is lifted after this holiday break all the way until the trade deadline at March 8th. So we're going to hear names like Nick Sealer. We're going to hear names like Sean Walker, Rasmus Ristolainen. We could hear other names. Garnet Hathaway could be a name that's out there. Maybe Cam Atkinson's a name that ends up out there. Now, the notion of trading players with very big term is unlikely because that doesn't happen in season. And who knows? Carter Hart's name could end up out there. Sam Harrison's name 
could end up out there. So the deadline effect on this team is another massive, massive question mark. You notice the one thing I didn't add into the deadline part was how additions would affect the team. I don't think that they're going to be in the business of adding. I just don't. I think they're committed to the rebuild. And if they can have a very successful year this year, that's awesome. But it's not going to, re- it's not going to derail them from the long-term goal of making this a Stanley Cup contender uh, for a large window of time because of how this season has gone. Some people say, don't you owe it to the players to push in? No, you owe it to the organization to do the right thing for the organization's health, both short, long, and in between term. That's what they owe it to. We've kind of been down that road before. So the top five question marks for the second half are the health of Carter Hart, the Sanheim-York top pairing sustainability, the second half play of Morgan Frost, Owen Tippett, and eventually Noah Cates, uh, the pressure of being in a very tight division race for the postseason, and the number one one was how the trade deadline affects. What are the effects of the trade deadline? There's my top five. If you've got other ones, you can certainly email me, jason.mertitus, J-A-S-O-N dot M-Y-R-T-E-T-U-S at gmail.com. And you can send them there. And also DM me on Twitter at Jason Mert. So everybody, have a great day. Tomorrow we'll preview Flyers Canucks as they'll get back at it. A little late night hockey tomorrow night in Vancouver. Uh, But in the meantime, everybody, we'll talk to you tomorrow on a brand new Flyers Daily.